Hey, welcome to Spin! This episode is a direct continuation of our previous episode, titled Supernatural Janitor, so if you haven't heard that one, this episode might be a bit confusing. Anyway, enjoy! for the sake of being large. I I do kind of like, I understand how this would apply to like a building in the real world being too big, like big enough that it stops being like practical for humans to exist in. But I think that that doesn't so much apply to the oldest house because the purpose of things being really large and intimidating is to be intimidating. Well, I, I don't... This is just some theorizing on control at this point now. Uh But I don't think that's the only reason that spaces are big in the oldest house. Well, also because you can learn to fucking fly later on and you can get all up there and do shit. (laughs) I wasn't talking from a game design perspective. I was talking from lore. Um, What's the lore reason then, TM? No, I I don't... There's not a concrete lore explanation I have. Oh. I have thoughts. You have a theory. Um... I think there are spaces that are connected to the oldest house for reasons that the player is not privy to, that maybe the oldest house itself does not have power over. Like, the Black Rock Quarry. Uh I don't know why it's there, Uh but I do know it's connected to the astral plane. Uh I don't think the house, as a being can necessarily change that. Okay. I think the oldest house is from or is connected to the astral plane where the board resides. Yeah. That's another thing that we, like, haven't talked about at all, is the whole astral plane thing. I actually had a note on that somewhere. Hold on. I took a lot of notes coming into this because I had a lot of ideas. Um... I don't know. I think my my note was just like the fact that the the connection to the astral plane isn't ever really explained mm-hmm. in a way that feels satisfactory to me. Um, we might get more of that in the DLC yeah, because the Black Rock Quarry that. is connected to the astral plane. I think we will. Um, there, the DLC, DLC is called X. Ex- Expeditions. Uh-huh. Um, so in the game, uh, there is. An area where you go where the board of directors, quotes, um, of the FBC uh, can speak to Jessie and can help her learn how to use the service weapon and her newfound superpowers. Yeah, the the board of directors, in big air quotes, is just an upside-down black pyramid that Mm -hmm. exists in a huge, vast space of nothingness. Yes. And it makes these weird static radio sounds and communicates with you through that. Um, So it's clearly not human. It It is some kind of supernatural fuckery. It it communicates (laughs) in that language, but through a phone that does not have any buttons on it, and that if it a has normal one, person... It has one black button in the center of it. You just that slam your hand down like a dial. It. No, I think you just press the big button in the center of the and phone. And that's how you call the board. That's okay. how you call the board. But, okay, the hotline, it's it's this big plastic red phone, very 50s, um, with one big button, I suppose. Yeah, um, and, and it's an object of power, and Jesse can yeah. use it to get in contact with the board of directors, in big air quotes, which is some kind of supernatural... Ethereal upside-down pyramid yeah, that speaks to you, yes. Shit on another 
plane of existence yes. and it transports you to this other plane of existence the astral plane in order to communicate with you and like give you little gameplay tutorials like brief lessons in how to use um either objects of power or like the service weapon or whatever supernatural powers you've just acquired throughout the course of the game mm -hmm. and how the astral plane is connected to the oldest house is not really explained um and i don't think anyone who works there really understands how the fuck it works either because right. they like have been sending people in like expeditions to go explore the astral plane since the fucking like 70s or whatever right. there's a document on that <laughs> that's the thing um expeditions the dlc as far as i can tell from gameplay footage and whatnot uh, has Jesse going into the Black Rock Quarry uh -huh. and doing astronaut-type expeditions. Yeah, that's extremely cool. The Black Rock Quarry, the, the rock in it looks a lot like the rock in the astral plane. Yeah. Um, it doesn't have... I, I can't tell if it has the gold flecks or not because yeah. the lighting in the quarry is so different. Yeah, it's the, the quarry is another area that you can get to within the oldest house that is just a quarry, but, uh, like, you can see the sky and, like, some big galaxy mm -hmm. sort of thing above it. So it clearly exists on some other plane of existence in addition to being inside of the oldest house, mm -hmm. similar to how you can access the astral plane through interacting with various objects of power or through different places in the oldest house. Mm -hmm. And there isn't a ton of explanation how those two things connect. So I guess we as players are not uh, super aware of whether or not the oldest house and the astral plane are controlled by the same being and whether the mm -hmm. oldest house and the board um, are extensions of the same being or if they you know interact with each other or what the what the deal is there i will it's just say kind of unexplained things we do know as players that there are other entities in the astral plane or there can be yeah because there's a side quest where you have to try and save this guy's life from a, a refrigerator and it doesn't work but um there's this, you, yeah, you go through you. to the astral plane through that quest and have to fight a big monster that the board is telling you how to fight. Yeah, so there are other things that exist in that dimension. And or they're that, not, yeah. Yeah, um, some of them are hostile, some of them are not. It, mm -hmm. it, there's not an awful lot of explanations for anything in this game, right? which is part but, of why it's creepy. But they're certainly not all constructs of the board of directors. Yeah. And they're definitely not all of them are connected to or on the same like team as the oldest mm -hmm. house or the directors. Yes. So it's not entirely clear whether the board of directors is the same being as the, the oldest house or whether it's just another thing that interacts with the oldest house. Yeah. The oldest house, uh, it's confirmed that it has like gateways to other locations and mm -hmm. other places within mm -hmm. it but you can't actually leave the oldest house from those gateways as far as i can tell because mm -hmm. like you can go to the motel and you always just end up back in the oldest house yeah that's another there's another um 
<laughs> there's a lot in this but, video yeah, game. There's a lot we of can, things. We can move on if you want to talk about Quantum Break. Yeah, no, I, I was trying to figure out, I had notes on how, um, how all of these things connect with each other. Mm -hmm. um, what I was getting at with like the the fact that there's so many things within the world of control that just aren't explained even a little bit um and what i was getting at earlier with like um the types of horror that remedy is good at doing mm -hmm. um seem to be either consistent or have evolved over the course of their games i do think that that kind of it's creepy because you don't understand it or it's creepy because it's not explained um, sort of thing is something that they have been sort of playing with over the course of the past three games and have definitely you know figured out and gotten good at with control mm -hmm. but that's there's a lot of things with Alan Wake that I feel like aren't really adequately explained like you know what things are real and what aren't and how Alan is actually affecting the world around him with his writing and how that yeah. how that actually works other than just being you it's, know yeah it's it's clearly a hard line to walk to keep the player uninformed enough to f get that uncanny feeling uh -huh. and informed enough to be satisfying. Yeah, informed enough that the game actually feels interesting, which is where I I personally feel that Alan Wake fails because there's a lot of things that they sort of don't explain adequately or just sort of introduce you to to an idea and then don't follow through on it. Um, with Alan Wake that it to me personally doesn't feel very satisfying I also am a little biased because I'm just not interested in Alan Wake as a character or, or a person yeah. I just don't like him very much I think he's kind of an asshole <laughs> it, it might have been a more compelling story to me honestly if his wife was given a chance to like be a character and not just die immediately <laughs> honestly yeah big mood <laughs> but like <laughs> where I was going with that was the um how much information you're giving the player and uh, how much they learn and whether or not things are explained in a way that is satisfying enough that, you know, you're interested but leaves you hanging just enough that you're still interested, you know, is something that they have sort of been perfecting over the course of the past few games. And I do think they got the mix right with Control in that you are given enough information that you're interested and intrigued by the world and you want to learn more, but also you're left in the dark enough that you still have that like kind of like unsettled feeling and, mm. and it continues to be interesting. And I feel like that's something that they <laughs> they probably started trying to do with Quantum Break and just like never really were able to follow through because mm -hmm. there were some I, I do think they probably ran into some time constraints and like not being able to put everything in Quantum Break that they wanted to put in because it's clear that there's some ideas that they set forth in that game that they perfected in control and the thing that I think especially that they like did with the putting forth information but not following through was with the shifters in quantum break yeah there's so much that they could have done there god they <laughs> with 
I, I feel like with the setup mm-hmm. of Paul going to the end of time, there could have been a logical follow through with with Paul going to the end of time and knowing that Beth has been there as well. Yes. There could have been a logical follow through of seeing the end of time yes. at some point. And I feel like that would have been really cool and really impactful. And it didn't it didn't end up in the game. It's yeah. in the novelization, the non-canon novel. Um and I feel like that it it was concepted on at the very least. Yeah. Uh, I also think the fact that Jack never really interacts with uh, any shifters other than a very brief, like couple of seconds long interaction with Hatch mm-hmm. is they man. There was some really cool concept art that was was released for the shifters. Mm-hmm. Um, Shifters are are um, the the concept of if you don't I've talked about Quantum Break before, but if you don't know things about Quantum Break, it's about time travel. At the beginning of the game, there's a time machine that explodes and it breaks the fabric of time and space. Um, and because of the explosion, uh, the main character Jack Joyce and his friend Paul Serene both get like fucked up by uh, time radiation that makes them able to interact with the flow of time in a different way than everyone else. Which is how Jack, um, the player character, gets like all of the powers that he's able to do in the game and whatnot. But um, over like the 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 course of the game, Paul, who is the main antagonist. Um, starts becoming a shifter which is like a a person who has been exposed to enough of the time radiation that they are cut loose from the fabric of time and just become like a a a time monster basically and there is some very cool concept art of Mm -hmm. what the shifters look like in their natural form in zero state which is just like this weird like fractal shape of a human being Mm -hmm. that's like just like pieces of color and light and the the fabric of space and time folding in on itself mm-hmm. um, <laughs> and it's really neat and a lot of the uh, the things that I think would would be neat if they had you know got, done more with that concept um, it's like they they set forth this idea about shifters and then they didn't really do anything with it and they sort of like leave you hanging wondering like what the fuck is going on with Paul and the, yeah. the chronon radiation and all that stuff. And it would have made the ending of Quantum Break much more impactful if you were to see the final form of a shifter and see what Paul is becoming and what ultimately Jack is going to oh. become because of the ending oh. of Quantum Break is... Um, you as the player as jack start to see and have the same powers that paul did when he was becoming a shifter because Mm -hmm. he could see the future and the very end of quantum break is jack looking and seeing the future and seeing the choices that he can make in the same way that paul was seeing it and Mm -hmm. i feel like that would be significantly more impactful and also would lean much more heavily into the the horror aspect of it that is just a constant undercurrent in the dna of all of remedy's games just the the horrifyingness of this is what he is going to become if you actually saw what the shifters were if you interacted with one at any point that would be so much more terrifying if you knew what was going to happen and you saw the end of the game and you're like oh fuck 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think about this constantly. God, that would have been really cool. I was just thinking about like the way that the way that the game puts forward its theory of time mm-hmm. reinforces over and over again that time is a consistent loop and cannot be changed. Yeah, if you go back in time, you can't change anything. Yeah. You'll just cause the same thing to happen. It's like in the third Harry Potter movie, if you've seen that. Sure. Um, <laughs> it's. I was it, always fixed... fascinated by that as a kid, because you can see them looking at themselves in the past and right. causing the things to happen. Right. It, it is a very carefully done movie. It's I like really, that one. It's really neat to watch. <laughs> um, fixed loop time travel has been put forward in a number of things, including Harry Potter. Yeah, um, but that's the basis but, that Quantum Break functions on. Yeah, Quantum Break reinforces over and over again that it's a fixed loop, but the protagonist, Jack, tries to change it consistently. He's he a never stubborn succeeds, bastard. But even at the end of the game, he tells a character I'll come back for you he still is going to try and change the loop he still hasn't learned that he can't I feel like if we saw the end of time mm-hmm. that would just reinforce it further that he can't fix it yeah <laughs> he hasn't fixed it yeah <laughs> there's a lot of things that I feel like quantum break could have done differently yeah. narratively I think the point you were making about there was some, you know, crunch to get everything done there, near the there, end. There I, was, I, I do yeah. think you're right about that. I There wasn't... The way that Remedy is right now with the talking about the process of the making the games and stuff with Control is a very new thing for them. Mm-hmm. They didn't talk an awful lot about the making of Quantum Break until after Quantum Break came out. Um there's a lot of things that have happened in 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 the games industry recently That's that true. make people more open about like sharing the process and i do also think that around the time that they started publicizing about control was around when vita was hired and i i <laughs> i don't i don't know if she I had mean, an she... impact on that but her being the the person who like does yeah. a lot of the talking about control on social media yeah. makes me think that a, a lot of the ideas of yeah. what is done with publicity is probably coming from her and why we know so much about the development of control which is you know i'm glad for it i'm interested in it well i know she is dedicated social media manager i don't know if she's like main marketing manager but i have no idea it's <laughs> it seems to me at least as someone with mostly social media exposure to remedy yeah that vita has a pretty strong place in the marketing department yeah i, I mean also it remedy's surprise team me is remedy's team is pretty small so yeah I, I do think it wouldn't surprise me if she was main content marketer yeah i do think pretty much everybody has a little bit of sway in what, yes. what is going on there but yeah um I, where were we going with this? My point was, I am not 100% sure what was happening behind the scenes with Quantum Break being made because there wasn't as much publicity about like the making of the game at mm-hmm. that point with Remedy because that wasn't something that they were doing back then. They didn't talk an awful mm-hmm. lot about the process of making a video game. But there's a lot of things about Quantum Break that makes me feel like... Right. Um, there were ideas that they had with Quantum Break that they just did not like get finished in time mm-hmm. to you know get in and <laughs> right. put in the game, and I f- I feel that way about a lot of like technical stuff yeah. with Quantum Break feels very similar to playing Control. 
going back and playing Quantum Break now, after having played Control, that was, this was part of why I was playing so much of it earlier today, why I wanted to play some of it, mm-hmm. it feels like playing a clunkier version of Control. Right. Well, Everything about it it's, is just... It right. feels the same. It plays the same. The 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 little dash power, the mm-hmm. shield, things like that. Right. It's, it's just a less evolved version of what ended up in Control. They just polished it a lot better and added a whole lot of good shit. The only three Remedy games that I've played are Alan Wake, Quantum Break, and Control. Um, I haven't played any of the Max Payne games. I haven't yeah. played any of the other stuff. Um, but the feeling that I get playing those three games is that there is a very clear, like, progression of ideas, and it's it's obvious to me that in certain ways things were polished from one game to the next and ideas evolved from one game to the next. Things like that, that kind of undercurrent of uncanny horror mm-hmm. that... Um, they did kind of heavy-handedly in Alan Wake in a way that mm-hmm. I personally feel wasn't very successful. Um, mm-hmm. That they maybe thought about a little bit in the development of Quantum Break, but a lot of it didn't really end up in there. But there is still some of the ideas remain, and if it was framed in a certain way, it would still feel that way. Things like the shifters, things like yeah. just the the unsettlingness of the sound design, especially in like the stutters and how it feels so empty and lonely when you're frozen in time. Yeah, Things like that feel a similar kind of unsettling to the sorts of things that feel very successfully like well done and put together in control yeah the things that make control really good i feel like are things that they have been working on and evolving throughout their previous games i have a bit of a theory on a parallel through line to the uncanny nature Mm -hmm. of remedy games yes between these three um Alan Wake is not... Alan Wake's not a funny game. No. They lean really, really, really hard into that unsettlingness, that horror element. Um, And unlike playing Quantum Break, there's no jokes in Alan Wake. There's not... There's not not even offhand jokes when you interact with an item. It's, It's all dead serious. And that made the experience a lot less enjoyable for me because I need some breathing room yeah. sometimes. Yeah, that's it fair. It <laughs> can't be all spooks all the time. I need to chill. Yeah. Um, with Quantum Break, I feel like they pulled back really far on that and said, okay, the spooks didn't work as well as we wanted it to, but we want to make jokes. Um, <laughs> they wanted to leave space to have comedic relief in there. Yeah, there definitely is. Boy golly, they, time knife. They wanted to build a game that <laughs> it wouldn't be completely totally dissonant to have time knife in. Yeah. <laughs> I And it the world of Quantum Break feels to me more like a real world that mm-hmm. exists. It feels like a world that you could walk around in and explore. Yes. Whereas the world of Alan Wake feels like something from a mystery novel. It's yes. so dramatic. And, and there, I'm sure that's a thing that a lot of people like, but I personally... It it breaks my suspension of disbelief when it's yeah. so drama all the time. <laughs> it's it, it's definitely what they were going for. Oh yeah, they they, they, they did really well mm-hmm. at pulling off the effect. Yeah, they had but, an aesthetic they were going for and they nailed it. <laughs> but gritty noir novels and detective novels that just don't have any levity in them are not my thing. Yeah, it's like <laughs> I I can't 
I can't do a protagonist that takes himself seriously. <laughs> Big mood. <laughs> but with Control, I feel like they struck a really good balance. Yeah, you're right. There is an awful lot of shit that's just so off the walls. Yeah. <laughs> just balls to the walls, wacky shit. It's a very weird game. <laughs> it's like, uh huh. They, they did a really good job with that. They managed to hit that uncanny horror in a really satisfying way, and they still put Casper Darling's Dynamite music video in it. Oh, God, it's so good. Matthew Coretta so was robbed. I'm gay. <laughs> <laughs> Matthew Peretta deserved to win performance. I feel... Performance I do, of the year for I the games? I do feel con- conflicted saying that because the winner was Mads Mikkelsen, and okay. I don't feel like I can take any award for acting away from Mads Mikkelsen. <laughs> <laughs> You're valid. But you know, I, would, I, just... I wouldn't take anything from Mads Mikkelsen except his dick. <laughs> <laughs> You don't have to cut that if you don't want to. (laughs) I'm sorry. Are you okay? I'm laughing straight into the microphone. I'm very sorry for the oh way that I God. am, except actually I'm not sorry even a little bit. I'm very gay for Mess Mickelson. I love you. I love you too. You're so valid. Anyway. But, okay. What was I saying? Matthew Peretta... Was robbed. ...deserved an award. Maybe not that one, but he deserved one just... Yeah. Give him something. Dr. Casper Darling is absolutely a standout character. One mm-hmm. of the best characters in Control. He's very fu- very funny to watch. He's really good. <clears throat> but you're right about, like, it's striking a good yeah. balance between the funny shit and the, like, creepy, fucked up shit. Yeah, and part of that is having a protagonist who can crack a joke. Oh, yeah. Jessie's, like, internal monologue that you hear as narration is, like, she is so fucking done with everything and sarcastic about, like, 95% of the time. Mm-hmm. She's great. I love Jessie. <laughs> if if Jessie was written completely deadpan serious like Alan Wake is, that's probably why I don't like him. Yeah, but I'm not a huge fan of Alan Wake as a character. Uh, if, if he... If... if if Jesse was written, if she was written the same way he was, mm-hmm. then I would think that all of the funny things that happen in Control were a little bit off kilter. Yeah. Like, they wouldn't fit, but because she can roll with it, yeah, it works. Yeah, she, she's seen so much shit that she just, like, is fine with every weird-ass thing that happens. The hiss, the entity that you're fighting, one of their quotes is from Justin Bieber's song, Baby. Is it actually? I can never understand what they're saying. There's so much distortion on that. There is a document you get at some point that is just a transcription of the Hiss monologue. You get it from Emily Pope. Okay. Um, It's in the dossiers. You should read it sometime. It's very weird. Yes, I imagine so. There's at least one line of Justin Bieber music in there. Incredible. Love that. Control's yeah. a good video game. Specifically, I think it's listed as Tomasi's monologue. Okay. But yeah, it's it's the same. Oh as... yeah, I was just, I was just reminded of another Sorry, thing yeah. I wanted to talk about. Yeah. Did you have any more comments, or were you like good? No, I I just wanted to comment on the humor. Yeah, but like on the topic of the sound design, I can't fucking understand anything that the his characters are saying. But like, mm. sound design, I feel like is one of the the few things that. It 
it was it's it, I've been talking about a lot of stuff as it's evolved over the course of Remedies games as being in like an unfinished stage in their earlier stuff and it feels like they really pulled everything together in control sound design I think is one of the few things that they figured out much earlier on mm -hmm. the sound design in Quantum Break is one of the only things about Quantum Break that I think is perfect as is, and I would not change anything about it. Mm -hmm. The the fact that like you can get so much from your environment through the sound design is just mm -hmm. a, a lot of a lot of what grounds you in playing Quantum Break. Not necessarily grounds you, but a lot of what makes it feel real. And, immersive and yeah what what makes it feel immersive and, and you know you feel in you're invested you mm -hmm. know what I mean <laughs> I really need to just start that whole sentence over that made no fucking sense but like the thing about the the sound design in Quantum Break that like immerses you in it is that there's it's really difficult to portray time travel in a way that like makes sense to the human brain like there's a lot of things visually that quantum break does like the um seeing the day night cycle pass overhead you know a bunch of times as you're going through the area where time is all fucked up or like seeing objects shift around you as you you know as as time moves in broken ways around you that mm -hmm. those are visual ways to represent the the breakdown of time and the fact that the structure of space-time is crumbling around you but the sound design is really what like immer immerses you in it and like nails it and like really drives it home that like the universe that you exist in is super fucked like mm -hmm. Uh, when you're walking through one of the areas where the things are, are colliding with each other and, and breaking because the timelines that they exist in are, you know, overlapping with each other and, and the world is getting fucked up by it, there's, like, the sounds of things breaking being played in reverse and overlapping each other and, and stuttering and shaking around you, and that sound echoing through the you know the 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 air that is frozen by the fact that time is stopped the echo through it is just like are you talking about the scene with the boat i'm talking about several scenes but yes that's one the of the scene them. with the boat is visually at least the coolest scene to play in quantum break it really is but i i think that's another area where like this is where it's clear that Mm -hmm. the unsettling and the uncanny is something that is just baked into Remedy's DNA. Yeah. Because being in stopped time while the structure of time is breaking down around you is the most unsettling experience and the sound design is really what makes it that way. And yeah. I do think that is one of the most successful things about Quantum Break. Mm -hmm. And the sound design in, in, in Control obviously is really, really good too. But it gets across the unsettlingness in a different way because obviously they're you know they're two different stories they're unsettling in different ways but that is something that remedy has like consistently mm -hmm. nailed there and they're like i i just have a lot of feelings about it their sound design is so good and i'm not usually a very auditorily like observant person so mm -hmm. like clearly this means a lot to me that it's something that like i personally have noticed and love i think the there's 
the sound design in Quantum Break is phenomenal. The sound design in Alan Wake was also pretty good. Like, yeah. I enjoyed it. It was... Everything about Alan Wake is less interesting to me than their other games just because I'm less invested. Mm -hmm. Um, But it is a really well-made game Mm -hmm. in a lot of ways. Yeah. But everything about Quantum Break's sound design is wonderful, but the coolest single thing to me is the way it sounds when you have just entered a stutter. Yeah. Because you can hear the distorted and continuing sounds that we're playing, but they've been stretched. They've been dampened to the point where your footsteps don't echo anymore. Yeah. You don't move sonically in the same way as you did. And you can hear if there was someone yelling next to you or shooting a gun, you can hear the echoes of that through the stopped time. Yeah, it's it's really cool. Um, It's kind of like being underwater. It is, you're right. I, I feel like part of why it feels so like isolating and scary to be in the stopped time in Quantum Break is that like, as soon as you enter a stutter, you're like not only visually because the the way the game looks changes the color palette immediately changes but auditorially like everything just immediately becomes fucked up and disconnected mm-hmm. and i feel like i've compared being in a stutter in quantum break to dissociating before because mm. for me personally that is exactly what dissociating or depersonalization, derealization, that's what that feels like, is feeling like the world around you is slowed and dampened and everything sounds weird and mm. nothing is processing at the correct speed. I I get that. Uh-huh. It doesn't feel like the world's stuttered for me. It feels like I'm stuttered, but yeah. I get that. But, like, that's... <laughs> I feel like... Did I just say this? But, like, that's why it... This is why I feel like Remedy just, like, has that that tinge mm-hmm. of creepiness in everything that they've done, even if they're not intentionally making it horror. You know, Quantum Break isn't horror. It's sci-fi. But there is crossover there, and obviously it's going to bleed through because Remedy is just very good at horror. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's the theme of isolation horror again, isn't it? Like uh-huh. you were saying about... Uh, even Interstellar and Gravity. Yeah, we were talking about that in that other episode. Ago, um, <laughs> that it's it, it's horrifying to be so profoundly isolated from your world, and Jack is in this world that he used to know and doesn't anymore. Yes, trans mood. And uh, <laughs> Jack Joyce is trans. Jack Joyce is trans. Death of the author, baby. Jack Joyce is also bi. <laughs> <laughs> You're fucking correct. <laughs> Jack Joyce and Paul Serene are both trans, and I love them so much. Uh-huh. Yes. <laughs> That's my opinion. But uh, not only is he in this place he used to know and, like, it, it, he used to know and now feels disconnected from uh, with a friend that he used to know and now is disconnected from in a very profound way. Yeah. But he's feeling that disconnection in a very instantaneous way as well. Yeah. <clears throat> I think that's very cool. I did want to mention mm-hmm. one small thing that I think they improved the sound design with in Control yeah. is not actually the sound. Mm-hmm. It's the UI. There's an uh, there's a center thing that 
shows you where sounds are coming from, and it's very visible on the screen because of the way the lighting effect oh. is done. I didn't it's, notice that, actually. It's like around where your reticle is. There's, uh-huh. there's a circle in the screen. Um, it's not a visible circle unless there is an enemy, mm-hmm. but there's uh, little white triangle indicators that let you uh, see visualizations of the sound. Uh, it's an accessibility design in part, I think, because, uh-huh. you know, deaf people also deserve to enjoy video games. Um, but it helped me get much better at the game, and it helped so- me process the sounds in it. Is this only when you're in combat that this shows up, or is it just, like, in regular interaction? Hard to say. Most of the time when you're not... I I think it's only in combat. Okay. Um, That might be why I haven't noticed it yet. I've been trying to avoid combat at all possible stages in control because I'm not good at it. (laughs) You gotta gotta learn. (laughs) I'm sorry. Launch is the only thing I can do. There's no... The only reason I'm good at Quantum Break is because the auto-aim is quite good. There's no auto-aim in control. (laughs) I'm just bad at video games, Amias. I know. (laughs) Anyway. I like the little triangles that show you where a sound's coming from. It helped me process the sound better, and it's done in a way that is still a it's it's a very immersive experience. Yeah, it's useful. It's good design. I'm, I'm glad you've pointed that out because I am gonna try and use that now. I'm not good at telling where sound is coming from. It's the same uh, triangle that the it's same circle that the red triangles showing what direction you've taken damage from. Oh, okay. I didn't notice that that was the same thing. I'm bad at video games. I don't know if the circle's the same. There might be a larger outer circle that shows what direction damage is coming from, but in any case. Yeah. Sorry, I'm just looking through my notes to see if there's anything I haven't, like, covered yet. You mostly wanted to talk about the horror element, huh? Yeah, I have a lot of feelings about that. I feel like Quantum Break could be more terrifying. Yes. There's a lot of things about it that I find existentially terrifying, Um, especially after reading Zero State, the novelization. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of things about that that are very frightening, Mm -hmm. Um, especially just like the concept of the end of time and, you know, being trapped in that like frozen time is all fucked up and you can't do anything about it sort of world. Quantum Break could be scary. They didn't lean into it enough. That's my opinion. I know that because of your, like, very strong love for Quantum Break exactly as it is, you don't want a sequel. Yeah. I still kind of do, just because I want a game where you play as Beth and have to explore the end of time. That's so valid. Trying to find Paul and or find a way out. Yeah, that's fair. Because the motivations going into that scene are so interesting, and the environment would be so interesting. I want a Quantum Break sequel where you play as Beth. Yeah, that's fair. I feel like Control is the Quantum Break sequel where you play as Beth. I know. <laughs> Jesse is know the same actress is. as Beth. Jesse's the same actress, and probably it's it, it's them living out what they wanted to do with Beth. Yeah. But couldn't for whatever <clears throat> reason, even if that reason was just that she wasn't on screen long enough. Yeah. Beth Wilder deserved better. But Jesse Faden has every right in the universe. <laughs> <laughs> Amaya says Jesse Faden writes. <laughs> Beth Wilder deserved better, but Jesse Faden rules my ass. Yeah. So. Can. I 
I, I really do feel, though, that, like, mm-hmm. what they did with Control was the, the logical conclusion of everything mm-hmm. else that they've done so far. It, I think that was yeah. the thesis statement of this episode, was that Control is just building on every other good thing they've done so far. Right. They they couldn't have made... There were reasons they couldn't make Alan Wake 2. Yeah. Uh, and oh, actually, they, I did have some notes on Alan Wake 2. Have you ever seen the demo for Alan Wake 2? No. I've um, never even played American Nightmare. I've never played American Nightmare either. I, I have definitely it. have it. I have it, but I haven't started it yet. God, um, I'm so sad that co- Content ID got a, a Alan Wake pulled from the Steam store. Um, it's back and up that, now. But without the music. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, but there was... I don't remember when it was. There was a demo for Alan Wake 2 uh, that was just one scene that was showed at... I, I don't remember where where it was showed at, but um, I saw it on a like a video game news website a while ago when I was looking into like um, the development process of Quantum Break because Remedy hadn't been like super public about Quantum Break's development process, and I was interested in how it came to be the way it was. Um, and I found the demo for Alan Wake too, and it's very clear that a lot of ideas that they had planned for that were what ended up in Quantum Break. The mm. scene. Mm-hmm. that is showed in the demo is um i'm not really sure what the story that's going on in the scene is but there is a, a place where uh alan walks into a scene where there's just a bunch of like objects uh on a highway floating like suspended in the air like mm. frozen in mm-hmm. time and the the sound and the you know the weird lighting quality and and the echoiness of it, it feels like a stutter it's yeah it's very reminiscent of what quantum break feels like to play when you're in a stutter when you're frozen in time and i'm not sure what exactly they were going for that that like in the demo there that it had those like weird echoey effects other mm-hmm. than it just being kind of disorienting there but, probably was a story reason that they had in their concept development team, but the story reason would have been entirely different than Quantum Break. There obviously. isn't time travel in Alan Wake unless they changed a lot of things. Yeah, I don't think so. I don't know. But, like, um, just based on seeing that one demo and that one scene, I do feel like probably they were planning to make an Alan Wake 2 mm-hmm. and ended up making Quantum Break instead. So a yeah. lot of the things that they were building on from Alan Wake ended up in Quantum Break. And I do think that that might be part of the reason why there are those undertones of spookiness to Quantum mm-hmm. Break, despite the fact that it's not a, a scary game it's not really supposed to be mm-hmm. you know it's an it's an action sci-fi game yeah i feel like especially with the uh whole tv show thing they did they mm-hmm. were trying to be they were trying to have more mainstream appeal yeah i and still do something like new that would get a lot of attention yeah um <clears throat> but like this, yeah. A lot of the scenes of the TV show do just feel like a very stereotypical action-adventure TV show because you're following Liam and he's just, <laughs> you know, yeah. action-adventure protag dude. Yeah. <laughs> I love him, but yeah. yeah. I, I do think Quantum Break was designed to be more marketable yeah. to larger audiences, but I, I also can't help but feel like Quantum Break is the, the natural mm-hmm. progression of ideas that they had in Alan Wake despite the fact that they took it in a completely different direction than what feels like would be natural for mm-hmm. for what they did after Alan Wake. But 
moving from there, control feels like the natural mm-hmm. progression of what they should have done after both Alan Wake and Quantum Break because it takes the things that are, you know, either successful or not successful, were interesting, but maybe not executed well enough in both of those games and perfects them in control. I think... (laughs) And that's, you know, it's just been very interesting to me to observe as someone who's interested in how art gets made. Yeah, (laughs) I, I think especially with the expeditions DLC, um, and with the expansion sets that are scheduled to come out in 2020. Yeah. Um, just, I, I, we haven't seen a lot of marketing for those and I haven't played the DLC yet, but it feels very much like somebody did want to make the game that I'm asking for with Beth in the end of time, <laughs> because that, yeah. <laughs> Is that what Expeditions looks like to you? There's it the Black Rock Quarry, you know, it's got a lot of like floating rocks and weird sound effects and weird lighting effects. Yeah. And you've got Courtney Hope in there with a gun. Uh-huh. But she can fly now. Yeah. And like it, I just I can't fault it. Yeah. It, you know? <laughs> a lot of the people at Remedy probably also wanted to make a game where Beth was the main character and they were like, God damn, we're gonna do it. Yeah. <laughs> I support them. 10 out of 10. Yeah. Anyway, Control is good. Control is good. Quantum Break is also good. Quantum Break is good. Definitely, Remedy is good. Remedy is good. Quantum Break definitely could have been better, but I do think the the form that it exists in currently is very good. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like this is probably something that everybody who like makes things struggles with, is like seeing the potential of what it could have been, mm-hmm. because... I guess probably the people who work at Remedy are looking at it like, oh god, we had so many better ideas and we didn't end up using all of them. (laughs) And like, first of all, I feel that big mood. Yeah. But also like, the state that it exists in currently is also good, I think. Yeah. It's it's good and it's cool to play Quantum Break and then go play Control and be like, yeah, this makes sense. Yeah. (laughs) You know? Coming at it from the perspective of a player and a viewer, mm-hmm. um, it's hard when the potential for something to be better is very obvious to me, mm-hmm. because that's usually a situation where I am having difficulty in the game through very little fault of my own. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that's not, that doesn't mean it's a bad gameplay experience. It means I'm noticing aspects of the design that are not my favorite thing. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of things about Control that I personally am not into. Like, the fact that it's very much non-linear, and I just want to do the story and see the story, and I don't want to do all the fucking side quests. That's not how I am as a player who's invested solely in the story rather than the gameplay. Right. I feel like control is a good medium between story mm-hmm. and gameplay. If you're going to have a somewhat non-linear story, then this is this is a linear story with non-linear side quests, and I think that's a tried and true method. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're someone who doesn't want to do the side quests, then you're going to run into trouble with leveling because there aren't any difficulty settings. Yeah, that's been my struggle with control. I'm stuck because I'm not strong enough. Yeah. And I just want to do the main story. <laughs> I do want to say, mm-hmm. Remedy, if you're listening, mm-hmm. 
thank you for letting me make the captions really fucking huge. Yeah. <laughs> captions good. Zooming in on documents would also be nice. Yeah. But the captions, I can't go back and try to read those again. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> so having them be really big. Big captions is, real good. is nice. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, control good. Control good. Video games good. Remedy good. Quantum Break good. I would die for Quantum Break. Alan mm-hmm. Wake, I mean, it's not my thing, but I guess it's also good. I'm glad that for other people it is their thing, but it's really not my thing. I'm sure I could read a fanfic where Alan's bi or trans or both, and I'd be actually invested in him as a character all of a sudden, because that's what happened with Quantum Break. But like, That's fucking valid. You know? <laughs> yeah, I just, I don't personally care Currently, about cishets. Nah. <laughs> anyway, Jesse Faden is trans and bi. Yes. That's my opinion. Yes. And <laughs> Death she of has, the author. And she has two girlfriends. One of them lives with her in her brain. <laughs> yeah, Jesse and Polaris are girlfriends, thanks. And Jesse and Emily and our Pope or Jesse and Emily Pope are also girlfriends. Uh-huh. <laughs> I really enjoy Emily Pope. She's so fucking enthusiastic about everything. Control I just I adore her. <laughs> is such a funny game. Yeah. Like Emily Pope isn't not not to say she's there to laugh at. She just like a lot of the things she says made me laugh. Yeah. Because she has Mythbuster energy. She's very enthusiastic in a sort of, like, dark humor scientist who's way too into it kind of way. Yeah, she has Mythbuster energy. Yeah. She's, like, dark humor mathematician? Statistics? Uh (laughs) Yeah. And I've never gotten to see that one before. Yeah, that's a good one. (laughs) Remedy, you make good video games. Congrats. (laughs) They've got like the the scientist who's way too into it with Casper Darling, but Mm -hmm. then they went and threw a statistic a statistician in there as well. Is that how you pronounce that? I can't pronounce it any other way. Statistician? Statistician? I don't know. I mean, it's statistics. (laughs) I, I can't. I have no idea. I don't know how to She likes words. math. Yeah. And numbers. Good for her. And she's really into it. <laughs> even when it's like, oh, wow, that many people died? <gasps> I've got to write this down. <laughs> oh, my God. Like, seriously, I love it. Uh, she really do be like that, huh? <laughs> it's such a, It's such a funny, weird, dark, uncanny game. Yeah. It's a good and it's also game. fun to play, and I like to throw things very hard. Yeah. Launch is good. <laughs> I like God, to... I can't wait until I can fly. <laughs> I like to be able to pick up a thro- forklift and throw it at my enemies. Yeah, that's really good. Uh, I want to be able to fucking fly, though. Mm-hmm. The Benikoff TV. Mm-hmm. The Benikoff TV. The Benikoff TV. Uh-huh. <laughs> anyway. You will make it through the Benikoff TV. I will get there eventually. <laughs> I'm so bad at games, though. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's really unfortunate. Anyway, we've been talking about video games for quite a while. Have we covered all the points we wanted to cover? Yeah, it's been two hours. Yeah, I think my main point was just that, like, I think I think it's really cool that you can see where Control came from, like, where its roots in previous games are from. I think it's neat to watch art evolve. I think it's really fun to watch the work of a certain artist or, like, a certain studio or, or a certain band or whatever evolve over time and mm-hmm. see how their previous ideas have, you know, formed and evolved into what their current ideas are. 
I think about this a lot with uh, Marianas Trench as well. Yeah, we should. We will do an episode on Marianas Trench eventually. Absolutely. I also think about this a lot with Crywolf, but I think I am the only person in the universe who cares that much about Crywolf, so I, I won't force you to listen to that. <laughs> I do think that there's a connection between the way you view individual artists' development over time and the way I was talking about architecture. Yeah. Like, all the ideas are feeding into each other and there's new things coming out of it as a result of reinterpretations and new knowledge and new technologies. Yeah, like the evolution of art movements or art Mm -hmm. styles. Yeah. Kind of is the same thing as well. It's different because you've got different people coming at it from different perspectives. Mm -hmm. Um, But that, yeah. I feel like I will always be more interested in it when it's either one person or a group Mm. of people who are making, you know, Mm -hmm. a, a thing over a course of you know a a period of time whether it's like an artist making an album and then another album and then another album Mm -hmm. and then seeing how their work evolves through that or whether it's like you know a writer and watching how their ideas evolve and how they come back to the same ideas and build on them over time um i don't know i just think that's really interesting it's really neat Mm -hmm. to watch how people uh sort of come back to the same ideas and expand on them because Oh, this is something that I think about a lot with uh, fan fiction writers that I'm interested in, mm-hmm. because even if they like move on to a different fandom or are writing about different characters, there are, there will be certain ideas that they always revisit, mm-hmm. and it's always so much more obvious in fan fiction because it oftentimes it's revisiting the same tropes yeah. or revisiting the same kind of story but with different characters, mm-hmm. and every time that someone does the same idea over again they'll do it in a different way or they'll add something to Mm -hmm. it. Even if it's the same person doing the same thing, every time they do it, there'll be something new and something different to it. And I I find that really interesting and cool. Yeah. I think the evolution of art in that way, especially when it's coming from the same person and seeing how that person's ideas evolve over time is really neat. So yeah, that's that's how I feel about Remedy and watching their games over the past couple of years. It's been it's been very cool. I'm very proud of Remedy mm-hmm. <laughs> as just like a team and stuff. They're cool. <laughs> yeah, they made some real cool things. Uh huh. <laughs> anyway, this has been Spin the Drunk Special Interest Podcast, where I get sappy about a video game studio <laughs> and I talk about architecture for a fucking hour, apparently. Oh boy. I good luck editing that. <laughs> you asked me to take notes and I took too many. Yeah, I'm sorry. I should have like cut you off at some point. <laughs> it's okay. It was interesting to listen to. I didn't understand all of it, but that's because <laughs> I I don't know jack shit about architecture and you know much more than I do, but that's okay. You're I'll, valid. I'll trim it into something coherent, probably. <laughs> I love you. I love you too. Anyway, this has been Spin. Tune in next time for whatever the fuck we do decide to talk about next time (laughs) thanks bye bye thank you for listening to spin next time our friend cat joins us to talk about rocks that episode will be uploaded friday february 28th our theme music was composed by Alora Driver. You can find her other music at aqua-girl.bandcamp.com. If you want to join us on the podcast, email us at spinpodcast at gmail.com or reach out on Twitter at spin underscore podcast or on Tumblr at spinpodcast.tumblr.com. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time.